everybody. Welcome to another episode of Struggle Session. I'm Jonathan Daniel Brown. I'm Jack Allison. I'm Leslie Lee III. We got a very special guest today, Liz Ryerson. Welcome, welcome. Hey, and, welcome. Uh, yeah, Liz <laughs> Welcome. Ry- and Liz is a musician, a writer, and a video game malcontent. <laughs> yeah, I have I have designed video games, but not recently. Uh, and so um, I, I, I've listened to your music, and it's really uh, good. But uh, what um, what games did you work on? Um, well, it's it's all like indie stuff. I worked on this guy. Um, I worked on this game called Crypt Worlds, which is like um, it has its own like cult following, kind of like internet meme sort of thing. Um, I just did the sound effects and music for that game. I also uh, there's this guy, uh, Robert Yang, who makes uh, games where it's basically, like, they're extremely gay, and it's just, like, um, one of them is you're a dude spanking another dude, and they're, like, these, like, <laughs> they're, like, these um, kind of weird, uncanny valley, like, models, um, and he actually, his games got banned from Twitch because of their content. Oh, I think I heard about this, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is the tea room. This is the, the this is the public bathroom game, right? Yeah. Um. So I did music for a few of his games. That's awesome. That's very cool. How that, long have oh, no? Have it's you, a, it's so cool to be part of any kind of band art. I think. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> what a badge of honor. Uh, totally. that people think it's too dangerous to see. I think the last band Twitch game I played it was either. Uh, genital jousting or that like awful i i i uh i played uh that awful two what was that like that like columbine game hatred oh so fucking bad right where you just walked around with a trench coat blowing away shit like wannabe knockoff postal clone <laughs> but like made a... by some like eastern european tommy wiseau motherfucker oh like, that's totally, not surprising at all yeah yeah lame as shit and it wasn't the gameplay stunk. So anyway, to be banned from Twitch is great because it means either genitals or you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> massacres. So it's either good or bad from the criteria that you've laid out. <laughs> uh, it can either be a good game or an extremely bad one. No, uh, but 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 even like it's the attention, right? It's right. Like, yeah, hatred was a totally mediocre game that didn't deserve. Like, right. if it didn't get banned from Twitch, if it didn't create a bunch of, like, panicky articles in, like, Kotaku, everyone would have just ignored it, and it would have fell in the pile of other, like, sub, <laughs> right. you know, sub-quality indie games. So yeah, that's, the- that's, how, that's how people navigate social media these days. That's how, like, a lot of those brands perpetuate. Right. Yeah, like, we now have, like, woke brands. We have, like, Target uh, uh, coming out, you know. Uh, uh, there are there are woke brands, and then there are also, like, unwoke brands. Yeah, like, was, they, like um, this Hatred game uh, uh, is specifically just out there trying to, like, be controversial. Uh, uh, right, it's like Marilyn Manson, but, it's, like, it's, not it's, good. Yeah, it's a, it's a marketing tactic. Right. Direct to Drive recently did that too. Direct to Drive recently went like, "We're we're the not PC digital downloading company." Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> if you're sick of if you're sick of how liberal fucking SJW Steam, Dropbox. Yeah, like if you're sick of all the SJWs at Steam. <laughs> Valve. Totally. Yeah. Care, Gabe, mm. uh, Care Lord Gabe uh, uh, Newell. Yeah. <laughs> Valve cares so much about. People in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they care so much that they're just waiting to get Half-Life 3 in the perfect shape before they'll ever release it, which is never. We're never going to play Half-Life 3. Yeah, but Half-Life 3 is never going to exist, but that's even, like, the least of Valve's worries. Like, right. it, it, it's, 
it's really bizarre. Like it, I, I actually kind of like feel for them because it's like the things that make you a great, uh, uh, you know, video game developer don't necessarily make you a great video game distributor. Uh, uh, and I, I think that like while they've sort of like accidentally backed into like basically, you know, total control of uh, uh, the PC gaming space. And uh, I think that that is negative, I think, for, for PC gaming. Oh. Absolutely. Um, shout out to Itch.io, by the way. Uh, definitely. <laughs> uh, if if you are yeah, buying indie cool. games, yeah, they have an app too, which makes it which makes it easier. I mean, it makes it, it. That's sort of one thing that convinced me to use it more because the app, you know, the fact that you can download things at any time is basically the reason I still use Steam. But Valve, yeah. like, they're sitting on a gigantic pile of money. Like, there are so many games that don't make money for the developers, but Valve makes money for every right. developer. They take like a third percent cut or something like that <laughs> yeah which I mean, is, they also have like, which is good for me as a consumer. You know, they have this like insanely liberal return policy, which I, I, I think yeah. is like, which is horrible for pretty anyone, unfair for developers. Yeah. yeah, for anyone making a game that's like under two hours. Yep, you can just like get full on, get your money back. Like, I don't feel so bad about like I did that with like Divinity Two or whatever, uh, uh, which you know, for all intents and purposes, was a good game. But after like three and a half hours, I was like, I know I'm just not gonna like put the time. time in here to do <laughs> yeah. this. Uh, uh, but yeah, like there are tons of games that are just like a one and a half hour experience. Like there's all these like gone home type games that people yeah. can just pay 10 bucks for and then get their money back. Yeah, it's it's tremendously favoriting, um, you know, uh, the triple com- A's. Yeah, triple A's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, so you're also a musician. And uh, how, how did you get involved in that? Um, well, so I actually started making music um, through a website back when I was like, it's like half my life ago when i was in high school um i I wanted to uh learn how to make music so that i could put it in my wolfenstein 3d mod (laughs) um and then i got into a website called oc remix which is like um uh, i know oc remix yeah yep yeah uh, that's where all of like the amazing Sonic fan music came I was going right? to guess yep. that it came from knowing about Sonic, that you know about OC <laughs> Remix. <laughs> but it's also, it's also Capcom and Konami and Nintendo yeah. games. Yeah. It's, not, it's, it's everything. It just started with the 16 I just era. knew that your in was going to be Sonic. Yeah, it's always my in. When in doubt, it's Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back in the day, like, everyone submitted, like, um, you know, like Final Fantasy and Chrono Trigger and that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, it still exists today. I'm not involved with the community at all, but that's kind of, like... That was one thing, because I grew up in the middle of Ohio, and there really isn't wasn't, you know, like, things pushing me to make music i didn't know like Mm -hmm. a lot of people who were in bands who were doing stuff that i was interested in so it was like an excuse to learn how to make music so i just learned through that and then you know i did other things um but then i got into indie games actually from somebody that i knew from that community who's been like fairly successful Mm -hmm. um and yeah it's kind of weird how the the like indie game stuff um you know i graduated from college in like 2009 and the economy had had crashed and like all this other stuff but at the same time like the indie games and tech boom are are happening so it's kind of like that's the career that a lot of people are getting into and now of course like people don't make money from indie games anymore it was a very it's uh, over small window it's it's basically over the the games that are being released 
uh, in general, the quality is much higher this year. Like 2017 yeah. has been insane for as far as like quality of stuff that's been released, both indie and AAA. But like, um, yeah, people aren't making. There was like this whole you know myth idea that you could be like a millionaire and and yeah. you know off of indie games and it it doesn't you know it doesn't it happened for... to like two guys That's yeah right. yeah it was like yeah, phil basically. fish got a million dollars and went crazy and undertale <laughs> undertale guy minecraft notch got a lot of money notch got a lot uh, notches and no- well money well spent <laughs> notch, notch has notch has the biggest house in los angeles i think yeah he yeah, outbid he had- i think jay-z and beyonce yeah, exactly. uh, so that he could sit in it and uh get in arguments about yeah. sjw he's in a massive massive house by himself he has a yeah. can- he has a there is a candy room in that house yeah, yeah i think he got rid 50 of 50 kinds of candies i think he got rid of the candy room because like no one was eating it and they all got like stale and <laughs> there, there's actually a really beautiful Citizen Kane to be made about Notch. Oh, oh yeah. totally, no, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's a it's a fascinating story, and also yeah. like he um, when his company was bought out, like they were working on a game called I think it was called Scrolls. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't it like you had to, it was like a spaceship game, but you had to like actually like, do programming or some shit. No, that was sure. the, no, that's like Colonel Space Program, right? No, 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 no. no. There's, there's another a, one. There's a lot of space games. Yeah. Space no, interface Souls games. Souls is the card game, and Bethesda threatened... To, or no, it was called Scrolls. Yes, yeah, Bethesda Scrolls. threatened to sumo Jang because... They have the Elder Scrolls, and you can't have another game with Scrolls. With scrolls? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it turned into this huge clusterfuck. Yeah, no, there, yeah. Was, there was another one he was doing, I think, called... It, I looked it up just now. It's 0 times 10C was he was working on, and it was like a sandbox, like Minecraft in space. But I remember like there were computers in it where they like wanted you to do programming in the game to like yeah. get play, from place there's, to place. There's actually quite a few uh, games out there like that. There's one that I... There's one that I play called Objects in Space uh, recently that that is like that. That's kind of a weird. The thing is, like with indie games, is there's a lot of weird subgenres that you yeah. might not know mm-hmm. about unless you like follow that community. But the the funny thing about the Notch story is that uh, he like when their company got bought out, you know, th- there there's that sort of attitude that is was in, is in a lot of the Silicon Valley space and also indie games, this sort of like, oh, we're all friends, you know, like, yeah. oh, thanks. And then, like, he sold the company and, you know, people, a lot of people got fired. They didn't get to, or yeah. they, they didn't get any money from it at the very least. And I think they got to keep their jobs, but then they got fired. And mm. so, like, a lot of people who were his friends and coworkers were, like, really pissed off at him, understandably yeah, sure. so. So that's, like... I think what feeds some of the the bitterness and mental illness. Yeah, but on the other hand, like he's got a room full of stale candy now. Yeah, (laughs) a room full of stale candy the size of my fucking parents' house. It's a it's a real life Citizen Kane story. But he's just sitting there on his own all day, just reading the Donald and R slash drama. You have so much power. He could change the world if he wanted to. He has no interest. And I just want to say, Notch, if you want to change the world by um, funding funding leftist uh, uh, gaming (laughs) podcasting, um, we will gladly take your money. Take take your money. Give give some some money to games. Yeah, give some money to the like eight. 
million indie developers who didn't yeah. make any money on their game this year. And then, yeah, I, I also think that that thing you were just talking about, like what happened to Mojang, is like such a common thing to happen, like in Silicon Valley, in this sort of like new version of disruptive startups, like the likes of which I also saw in New Media over here, which is like there's this attitude of like we're all in this together and we're gonna like build something great together. And like, sure, you're not getting paid that much right now, but like think of what we're building. And then it's like. You're not building it for you. You're only building it for the guy who owns the fucking company. Like totally. in the in the end estimation of it all, he's got a company and you've got nothing. Like and it can feel exciting to be building something, but it's not yours. Uh, and so I, I don't know. I feel like that's like overall the big issue with all of these you know incubators and well, disruptive business models. Well, twenty yeah. years. Well, twenty years from now, when Palmer Lucky puts OC Remixes Chrono Symphony <laughs> on every phone in the world, you'll think differently. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. You're right. You're right. Uh, They'll be that, they're our next Bonos. These guys. That guy is such a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, these are uh, these are these are our heroes. Palmer <laughs> Lucky, uh, uh, the uh, little pudgy Hawaiian shirt wearing uh, VR like, guy. Yeah, he's like a total redditor. He he, you know, yeah. he's like, uh, oh god. Yeah. Anyway, I just heard stories about him. Well, yeah, uh, well, he was the guy who was financing a lot of like the Trump shit posting billboards. Right? Yeah. 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 He got in trouble for that. Facebook had to get rid of him. Um, well, speaking <laughs> of horror, yes. <laughs> it is still October. Yeah, it's October, and we're doing our thirty-one days of horror movies. But of course, as we talked about on the podcast many, many times before, video games are better than movies. So we right. had, so we had to do at it least too. horror video games are better than horror movies. Well, I, I have a larger thought around this, which I'll just lay out right now, just because uh, I'm sure a lot of people are always going to be mad whenever we say that. But I think compare them year for year for like the last decade or maybe even the last two decades the best video games beat the best movies every year so therefore video games are the greatest art form and that's that (laughs) well it's a good time for games as far as like the artistry and stuff is concerned and it's a bad time for movies yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting we were mentioning talking about the indie space blowing up the rise of the indie space in the world of video games almost directly parallels the fall of independent cinema yeah and you have so many indie games blowing up over the past few years while it's never been harder to make a low-budget movie and it's the technology is easy to get but the permits are harder than ever you've got apple apple and and google and 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 facebook they are not interested in doing like Valve fucking sucks. Like, don't get me wrong. But let's like, not. Look, this is now becoming an Ouroboros. We can't go back okay. to just the start yeah, yeah, of this yeah. conversation. We, we, let's we go gotta, to horror games. Yes, yeah, so we got to go to horror. We got to move on. Yeah, we got to move on. Talk to about this forever. Horror yeah, yeah, yeah. games, not horrors of the game industry, <laughs> right. uh, of which there are way too many. <laughs> yeah, so, All right, so, so L, we, we had to do, we we had to do it to him. We have to talk about horror video games on here, <laughs> and um, because uh, horror, I feel like um horror specifically as a genre like really works well with video games uh, i like i was i posted a tweet um yesterday on the struggle session twitter basically asking what were people's favorite horror games and like we got tons and tons and tons of replies and things i had forgotten that i played because clock tower yeah like or like um uh yeah clock tower fear i had forgotten about that like uh. even though it used to be my favorite game so um, there's tons of st- st- uh, stuff to talk about, but let's start at the beginning. I just want to ask uh, each of you guys, what's the first horror game you remember playing or at least really being into? 
Well, I mean, I guess I can jump in with like, and I I don't remember. I don't think it was like scary to me, but I played a lot of Doom when I was uh, uh, a young man. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, me and my father, my my father had, like did special effects, so he had some networked computers. So I was actually able to do Doom multiplayer, and I have a lot of very fond memories of uh, of Doom. So yeah, it, yeah, it is telling that like the second like first person shooter was like set in hell with demons and shit. Like mm-hmm. even though the graphics were very you know rudimentary, um, for by our standards, like there was something there. Whereas like if we're going to do st- uh, these games in three D, it should we should try to make them scary. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think that there was something like it, it, it did seem to work like there was almost something like at a base level gruesome about, you know, low res textures in a weird way. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like those old computer textures have like a weird grittiness to, to them that lends well to like grime and blood and dirt and stuff. Well, yeah, Gibbs, well, the- like Gibbs in, in these games are so wonderful, like the yeah. pixelated gore. You can't beat it. <laughs> Yeah, the the artist. Uh, uh, I'm like super obsessed with Doom. By the way, I follow the Doom modding community. I've like made a billion videos about uh, Doom mod stuff. Well, so. with your music career starting in Wolfenstein, so yeah, I, we could yeah. assume. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, the the artist was um, uh, actually worked in a morgue. I think at <laughs> at one time. Uh, oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, and that's so really, had, that, yeah. so like like the the artist for Doom was like the six feet under guy. <laughs> you know that, that, that Alan that, Ball's that, Doom. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense because I remember when your health went down in Doom, like your face would start getting fucked up, and it was like yeah. the stages of decomposition of them. I remember, <laughs> I remember specifically that was really actually kind of creepy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's something like again with that sort of like pixel art. There was something like like very visceral even though it was very low res about this like marine getting his face all fucked up by demons there was like it was like gross to see more and more blood added to it i don't know i i love doom and, and there was something that like did feel sort of dangerous about it and like the very fact that it was just like distributed on like floppy disks as this extremely small file like you know, before we like knew about game developers and everything, there was almost like a weird feeling like that Doom was like the ring or something. <laughs> yeah. Like your friend made you a disc and you're like, oh, fuck, like I'm in hell. <laughs> well, D- Doom is like a sort of a larger cultural phenomenon and it's had like a huge impact on games in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing about it is that it's like. It's not really, it's like a horror-ish, it's also kind of an action game, it's also like has puzzle elements in it sometimes, it's it's like a really bizarre combination, and it's totally like yeah. surreal and like dream logic sometimes, like the levels are really strange, yeah. it's, it's really hard to like put into any one category. Doom um, is, it, it feels like a lot of these early games, like, it, Doom just was like this sort of like collection of what all the various programmers and artists like best abilities were you know what i mean to like create hell on mars well not but but even that like that's what i sort of am getting at with like the fact that there were weird puzzle sections and there are things that like look different at different parts like it almost just feels like this is like everyone just brought what they do best to the table and then they just threw all that into a game uh, uh, and it works really well but like i think that early games kind of have that feeling of like just weirdness uh, uh, yeah. to them well every, I, every, I love that stuff every yeah me too breaking game has an experimental feel to it i mean like mm-hmm. 
and then, and then everyone tries to recapture it and fails. I mean, that's, totally. remember Kiss Psycho Circus? That was all about <laughs> trying to get... Uh, speaking of which, the uh, lead designer of that, um, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like Sfera Kavanmo or something like that. Um, he uh, was a Doom modder, and he had a, a few levels on the commercial release called... Uh, what is it? The... Tomb 2 Master Levels. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, half of these guys who came from Doom went on to do, like, amazing, amazing shit. And often yeah. in the horror, I mean, look at American McGee. His yeah. Alice is one of, I mean, the sequel fucking sucks. Then, Don't ever play you know, There's it. your John Romero's, too. John I've, I've met him before. Yeah. John Romero, he's actually a super nice guy. Yeah. You have uh, to be after Daikatana. I mean, also, like, look, a lot of this is just, like, it's, like, so funny. It's, like... A lot of this, like, Daikatana, like, bad will I hold towards John Romero is just, like, it's, like, in my bones or something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I almost, like, hold resentment to John Romero out of, like, oh. gamer tradition or something <laughs> like that. Like, it's for yeah. no reason. Like, he's not a, doesn't look like a bad guy. He made a bad video game in the 90s that I've never even, like, actually played. <laughs> I just know that it's, like, part of folklore to, uh, yeah, well, to rip on John Romero. I mean, that's, like, a whole nother conversation because it's the same with, like, the that E.T. game for a Atari yeah people people rip on that but like you know it's like gamer folklore and a lot of people yeah. haven't actually played it but anyway that's a whole nother conversation that is a whole nother conversation we should and get we back on the subject into Liz, actual to, real horror games Liz, i just want to thank you for being like the actual host of this show like you're <laughs> <laughs> well, so, look, so i grew so jdb what was your first horror game oh god um i mean it was probably either alice or no it was resident evil code veronica 2000 Resident Evil Code Veronica was my introduction to the RE series. I was wow, really? Years, yeah, I was eleven years old when it came out. Uh, so it was, and it, it blew my mind. And I hadn't played any of the other games in the series before. And I had begged my mom to get me this game, and she wouldn't let me get Ill Bleed, and she wouldn't let me get Eternal <laughs> Darkness for another year. Oh, so maybe Code you could Veronica, call it Eternal Darkness. Eternal Darkness. I had to wait till I was a couple years older to play. Till I was like thirteen. But Code Veronica, like that, the. I got it when it was like a maybe a year out, so it wasn't like brand new when I played it. But I had never seen anything like it. Everything from the tank controls to the jump scares to the perspective changes from Claire and Chris Redfield, all of it blew my mind. I think Code Veronica is uh, still my favorite Resident Evil game. It's got the best story of the series, even better than four. I'd even argue. Four uh, is a terrible story. Uh, <laughs> four is the worst story ever in a game, and for for how good the game is. Yeah, yeah. Four, 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 the story in four sucks. Four, uh, four story is very close actually to uh, uh, to fuck. Uh, it's that Dagon movie. Yeah, it's, it's, on our da- list. it's Dagon for like the first part of it, and then right. it kind of flies off. They, they didn't. They didn't give a Albert fuck about Wesker the story. Yeah. yeah, they didn't give a fuck about the story for it's it's a venue for everything else in the in the game. But Veronica, Code Veronica had this whole psycho motif where you had like the villain who was also dressing up as his sister the whole time, and that was just such a crazy. I I like head trip. I like Code. I like the well. First of all, I was trying. I was trying to say that uh, the plot of Resident Evil Four is basically House of the Dead. <laughs> it's just like in, in Spain. Yeah, it's House of the Dead in Spain. You find a guy that's like the president's kidnapped. Uh, uh, <laughs> G might as well be in it. Uh, um, Agent G. I I like Code Veronica for how insane and like complex the sort of Resident Evil mythology got before yeah. the uh, before the reboot happened. Like I I couldn't I couldn't lay it all out for you now, but I cared about that shit when I was a teenager. <laughs> It's like interesting like how convoluted canon, the kind of stuff you can find on a Wikia page today, 
was so special to us as kids because we yeah. were the only fucking people who could understand <laughs> it. You tried explaining it to anyone, they wouldn't know what you were talking about unless you were at like a convention or something. I'm still very proud for working out that uh, Cranky Kong was the original Donkey Kong. Uh, Wait, before- what? Cranky Kong is Donkey Kong is the one in like he threw the barrels at Princess Peach and Mario. Of course he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah, anyway. they they yeah they reference that somewhere in one of the Donkey Kong games. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. The Donkey Kong family tree is uh, is complex and difficult to work out. Who did Cranky breed with after Peach? Got <laughs> this is away? this is what's called another tangent at okay, this point. Yeah. <laughs> well, right, well, well, it. While we're tangenting, watch a supportive and caring Funky Kong picks you up from the airport uh, video on YouTube. Asthma roleplay. Great video. Anyway. The the first horror games I played, Code Veronica, Eternal Darkness, and Ill Bleed, which is a Dreamcast game nobody remembers. We walked around. I vaguely remember it. You walk around this bizarre game. Carnival. Kind of like the Evil Within, actually. Uh, What about yourself, Jack? First horror game you played. I already said. Liz, how about you? Um, gosh, see, I can't even remember. Um, I mean, Doom was, I played Doom fairly early on. Um, and it was, I had a similar sort of reaction to, uh, to, to what you said mm-hmm. about, um, just, it, it was just so strange and I couldn't play it with the, I had to like play it with the cheats on. Yeah. Uh, Cause it was way, way too, too scary for me. Uh, <laughs> I sh- I probably shouldn't have been playing it for how young I was, honestly, but, um, yeah, Doom left a, like a really strong impression on me. I actually the the first thing that I remember being really scared by in games, which is not like a horror game at all, was there was a pizza place in the town I grew up, and uh, there's this game called Operation Wolf, which is like um, it's a shooter, it's like, right? Yeah, it's like a shooter, and there's a part where you know the when you when you get close to dying, um, the screen starts flashing and like music picks oh, up. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I played this. Yeah, and then it's and then there's like a a, a clip of your, your character going like, Wah! and it says you have sustained a lethal injury. Sorry, but you are finished here. And I was like really disturbed by that. I was like, no, I don't know. I was like really young, but that was the first thing that like really terrified. The me. first thing that terrified you was the ever present specter of death and the yes. idea that we're all gonna die someday. I mean, very fair uh, uh, and primordial thing to be afraid of. Well, that's why yeah. the Oregon Trail scared the fuck out of me when I was like seven years old because i'd just be walking along with some oxen (laughs) and all of a sudden half of my crew would get cholera (laughs) and uh and then there'd be random fires oregon trail as as as, destruction oregon trail as an experiment is was a very successful one that i think it's weird that was never recreated like Everybody knows about the motherfucking Oregon Trail. Like every yeah. person of that's around my age knows that like the Oregon Trail was hard and that you got dysentery and all this shit. Like such it's a simple a, game. A lot of schools had it on their computer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's what I mean about the experiment. Is like it was incredibly successful. Like they, everyone learned about the Oregon Trail. They had it on school computers. People remember yeah. to this day. Well, there's, there's also where in the world is Car- Carmen Sandiego? Uh, that was yeah. another one from that era. Uh, I could go on and on. L, what but was anyway. the first horror game you played? So, we forgot you. All right. So Sorry. I, uh, so it was. I would have to say it's Castlevania Two. I played it when I was like six. Oh, so wow. Yeah, I played Castlevania 1, of course, but it's not a horror game. It just has horror monsters, and it has the, all the old, uh, like, um, it has Dracula, Frankenstein, Medusa, etc. But it's not really a horror game. It's an action game. Castlevania 2 is really, truly a horror game because it, <laughs> it, it, it has, like, 
daytime where you're like not fighting people like it's like an rpg like you go into that town you talk to people and then night comes and then holy shit there's monsters everywhere and that is kind of what makes it a horror game is like there's this break like there's a safety and then there's danger as opposed to mm-hmm. you know constant danger i think that's mm-hmm. a theme that you know you find in a lot of horror games like the safe room and resident evil or uh or and uh evil within even has like a little hospital where you go into so i i really like i that really affected me early on because like you just be going through town like trying to get all your shit done and all of a sudden like night would come and be completely fucked up and the game actually starts from the premise that like you are cursed and you are dying like yeah yeah, like it's it's a really creepy thing and like there's bad endings to the game also the game is confusing as fuck oh yes most it's one of the most bizarre game i i really like it um in the way that you know it's it's one of those things that's never really been recreated and a lot of like gamers hate on the game because like people will give you directions bad directions in the game like you talk to villagers and i don't know if that's intentional or not but like that's the thing that happens you know and you wouldn't even expect that to happen in in, like a nintendo game yeah and that was in in 1987 that was controversial as hell too this was considered like a really fucking freaky game because nothing had been done like that uh, I guess the closest thing gameplay wise would be would be what like Zelda Two Adventures of Link. Yeah, yeah, it was very similar to Adventures of Link, but I think uh, Link was probably a lot more straightforward, a lot a lot less confusing. Like, like there hasn't been a game really like since that. Probably, uh, probably the only popular game now is like Dark Souls now, right? Because there's a lot of things in that game that don't make a lot of sense, aren't explained to the player and aren't obvious like things where you like if you hold this high item in your right hand it will and walk you know backwards toward this door it will open like shit like that yeah would happen in like castlevania 2 so that was my, well, my first horror game yeah so a, a lot of those like tropes were actually very common with a lot of games in like the 80s and stuff because uh, they just like people didn't really know exactly what they were doing but i yeah it's it's interesting that that stuff has come back oh another game i wanted to mention because I also played Castlevania 2, is this game called Monster Party for the NES. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Monster Party. And, like, it's mo- mostly kind of goofy, but, like, um, there's this one part at the first level, and I don't know how this got, like, past Nintendo, but you, like, you walk to a certain point in the first level, and the, the level, like, flashes and transforms, and all the, like, trees and stuff in the background, like, all their, like, eyes and mouths are bleeding, and, like, Man. it's crazy. Well, like the title, the title screen has like this like horrifying, like weird, like mouth thing with like green, yeah, bl- like slime dipping out of. That stuck with me more than I, I never got that far. I would always just die. Yeah. It's, it's fucking it's not hard. A, yeah, it's 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 a hard game. But it's yeah, a, that was another one that I played early on. Uh, but man, that's like the good old days of like Kemco and Bandai and Konami <laughs> yeah. making actually interesting stuff. Instead of the good old games. days, the good old days before I was born, <laughs> <laughs> I never had a chance. <laughs> uh, you missed out on the claim and all their uh, fantastic. Uh, I never, I never missed out on the claims. Wonderful and library. <laughs> yeah. So, so what? I mean, I guess like, what is it about like horror games specifically? Do we think that you know makes them endure and makes them you know maybe even like more immersive than other genres? My theory with horror games is that you are directly in charge of whether the character survives or not versus in a horror film, 
you're passive. That's why it's so much fun to go to a theater and everyone and you know you have a loud audience who's yelling at, at you know the lady not to pick up the phone and to get outside of the house. When you're playing the game, you can choose how you make it out. You know, right. it's your choices that determine whether the the player character lives or dies rather than it's not a passive experience because it's a tactile involved almost simulation. You get more scares out of it. You, right. you know, there's there's you know, the jump scares are easier because somehow if a game is good enough, it can actually trick your brain into thinking your very survival is at stake <laughs> rather than just, you know, seeing, you know, the uh, the voyeuristic element of seeing someone get murdered. It's you dying if you fuck up. And I think that's always played a big part in what's made horror games scarier. Yeah. I also think that, like, there's a crossover between video games and horror movies in that they're both sort of trying to evoke a, you know, involuntary response from you, if that makes sense. Like, going to a horror movie, like, they are trying to craft something that will make you, like, scream or jump in your seat. And I think that that's, like, a little bit similar to, you know, the way that, like, levels in video games are designed to make you, like, think in a certain way. Uh, uh, I don't know. I think that there's maybe a crossover between the two. I So I think that there are a lot of experimental kind of interesting things that, that can be done to for a mainstream audience under the guise of horror yeah, that yeah. can't be done with other sort of genres so a lot of like interesting or strange or whatever ideas um if they're not explicitly horror then maybe they're horror tinged or like there's like you know aspects of horror because like i right. i i made a like experimental game that not a lot of people played called it was called problematic um and uh <laughs> not the motion lot- casher show <laughs> uh, what is that there was another there was a it, tv it, show on cartoon on uh, comedy central called problematic it didn't but last. Uh, oh, that's funny it didn't last it wasn't good <laughs> well you know <laughs> anyway go yeah, ahead sorry like it's it wasn't explicitly a horror game but it had those elements to it but i think some people perceived it that way just because it's alienating yeah and like that's a that's like a and I mean, we can get into that later, but there's that whole sort of like culture around creepy pasta and, and that right. kind of stuff. And and that kind of goes over into video games. And there's that there's a kind of a whole subculture of these these video games that are, you know, meant to sort of mess with your mind or, or right. be sort of this like alienating via like pop culture references or like things like that. Trying to like it's like a way of recontextualizing something in a way that a lot of people will understand um because it's meant to be scary and right. i think that's yeah that's what that's what's the most interesting to me about horror is like that you can kind of get away with being more experimental uh especially in video games where like people are totally hostile to experimental <laughs> things yeah not, not just like hesitant about it but we'll send you death threats over it um, yeah <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say I think it's interesting uh, uh, that a lot of the games that are like that get pop get get massively popular with young people these days all seem to have an hor- a horror element like Minecraft. Five, like very Five expl- Nights at Freddy's is one yeah exactly like Minecraft and Five Nights at Freddy's like Minecraft very explicitly like. It does exactly what Castlevania 2 does. Like, it comes nighttime and, like, monsters come and it's really scary. Like, Five Nights at Freddy's is outright just, you know, it's one of those websites that you would click on that screams at you when you look at a picture, you know? <laughs> uh, 
Oh god, what was that one that always freaks me out? It, it's uh, something the killer is the is the uh, the screamer video that always just. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I, it's, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna look this up. But it does feel like there's a crossover between like this creepy pasta stuff, like you know, Slender Man, Five Nights at yeah, Freddy's, like totally. Jeff the Killer. That's what it's called. Yeah. I don't know. Totally I think though. fear maybe helps us like to create mythologies around something. Like there's mm-hmm. a we- there's like a weirdly myth <laughs> there's like a mythological quali- quality to like Five Nights at Freddy's and Minecraft. I think with young people and certainly with Slender Man. Yeah. Well, in the same way that some of those those other like early like online memes where you know stare at this picture for yeah for one minute and then at the end it goes ah! you know <laughs> you just scared the shit out of me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i was thinking about like you know in a certain sense like most video games have an element of fear in them right even like yeah mar death. Mar- death mario like you're playing mario what are you trying to do you're trying not to fall in the pit you're trying not to get eaten by a turtle or a walking mushroom so well and that's like yeah. a friendly you know happy kid friendly game so it right it's, it's almost scarier when it happens in Mario because it's so alienating from the... I think that's one of the interesting things about that. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting, though, that it's like, you know, Mario, you could maybe make the argument as like equivalent to like Mickey Mouse for video games. But in video games, even our Mickey Mouse has, has the lives. ever-present specter of death <laughs> <laughs> is fighting for his life. Yeah, so... It, yeah, the- you never see like Mario... You never see... Uh, uh, you never see, uh, um, fuck me. Uh, uh, I, I was going to try to say Sonic. Oh, you never see Mickey Mouse. I couldn't think of Mickey Mouse's <laughs> name. I can only think of Sonic and Mario. You never see Mickey Mouse, like, impaled on spikes. Unless you're playing Mickey Mania on the Sega Genesis. <laughs> you can you can get impaled. Right. Yeah, sorry. That's, That's the me. only time ever that uh, Mickey Mouse has had to deal with death is when he's been in a video game. Yeah, so, like, video games are obsessed with death almost all of them and so you know it doesn't take a lot to make a horror game compelling if when the basic like parameters of most all like video games are like you are going to die unless you do the, everything <laughs> exactly the right way and i think that's a very um that, that uh, in mo- every horror movie is uh, a, a lot of horror movies are about that and then so hor- uh, horror video games are work very well in that context like i'm thinking specifically about uh, right now about like alien right like so isolation yeah uh, both actually the movie yeah. and the um, video yeah. game which are basically like uh, like it's just a tr- one is a translation of the other, just into a, right. a different format. Yeah. And, and Alien Isolation is an excellent game. It really captures a, um, everything that I loved about Alien, that film Alien. Yeah, it's play a totally it with headphones, by the way. It's a game you play with headphones. Yeah, I I really need to. Uh, so I've I've only watched friends play it, but like it's it's a totally fascinating game to me, just because it it couldn't have been made. Uh, probably any time earlier because the AI for the alien is uh-huh. like super super complex. Um, but yeah, Clock Tower is another game that's like that's like that. You're being followed around by Scissor Man, and you have to basically avoid Scissor Man the entire time. And it's still scary in 16 bits too, which is remarkable. Like Clock Tower. I never played it on the uh, on the on the Super Nintendo, but I did. it wasn't. It wasn't ever translated to English, right? You had to get the ROM. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I got the ROM, 
And I popped it in, and I was like, I, you know, oh, this is like a predecessor to Resident Evil and Silent Hill, but, you know, it's on the Super Nintendo. It can't be that scary. I was wrong. It's fucking <laughs> horrifying. Yeah. And, and it's because of that. I, I think video games understand that, like, the relentless enemy, like, Resident Evil Nemesis also did that so well, right. where you had the nemesis who just would not stop and would appear randomly wherever you were, ready to kill you, and just... Your adrenaline is constantly going when you're being chased. Another game that does that well is like uh, Amnesia: The Dark Descent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you just you, you you feel powerless. It's and it's and it's a unique feeling of powerlessness because in the video game medium, you're often starting weak but ending extremely strong. Yeah, yeah video yeah. games out- really good are good at regulating how much power you have, like to a specific degree, and that really helps. Uh, increased horror I, I'm like i'm thinking of like the evil within where like yeah you have a bunch of guns but then you have you know 20 enemies you have to take out with that with you know all those guns and it just will not work out for you unless it's not like, enough yeah yeah the There's, ammo you're low on ammo you you can upgrade your stuff all you want you can get the coolest stuff it doesn't matter uh it's it's and it's really cool because it's like if you had taken like say duke nukem's arsenal and gave it to the you know to the evil within cast it would it would not be scary but because mm-hmm. it, it, they take away your your sort of like the almost like the um when you go bowling and you put <laughs> bumpers up because you're like I don't I don't want to get gutter balls I'm going to get gutter balls all the time but horror games take away those uh those bumpers they take away the rails and mm-hmm. they basically show you that the mechanics are not enough to keep you alive you well, actually have to be smart. I mean, and I think that's the kind of like, you know, that's the kind of like revolutionary thing at the heart of horror games is that they sort of play and play with and subvert the whole idea of like conquest and mastery that comes with like RPG D and D like you know strategy. The idea that basically you start weak and then you get strong, as you mentioned before, and then you get stronger, and then at a certain point you sort of have control over the world because you know you spend enough time, you've learned enough. Horror games like almost never put you in that position, and in a way, it's also kind of like a like a I, I perceive it kind of like as a gender divide too because there's this like. This this idea that you're you're experiencing um, this sort of uh, f- f- disempowerment or fear, oh. um, and uh, you know there's potentially like hostile things in the environment, and it's not like it's it's a different sort of angle and a different sort of experience, and I think that's also why like. I know a lot of horror games are really popular. Like the Silent Hill series is really popular with women, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm yeah. thinking right now: do, do horror games like have uh, uh, women as protagonists like more often than non-horror games? It kind of feels yes. like they do. Okay. Yes, absolutely. And that's probably not a coincidence. Yeah, I mean it's the same with horror movies. Uh, I think horror movies have more female protagonists than uh, Final Girls. Than than like a uh, uh, yeah exactly like then you know male protagonists and uh, and female protagonists in other genres. And I think that's for a specific re- uh, reason. I'm not sure if I can articulate it, but like I prefer it. Like I would rather I like all things being equal. Like when I want to inhabit the horror sphere, I feel like my, you know, in my protagonist should be a woman. I'm not sure why, if that, if it's just because I'm used to, if there's something else about it. Well, it is interesting what you're saying, Liz, about like, uh, uh, 
the sort of gender divide uh, uh, with, you know, regard to like having dominion over the world versus just like <laughs> scraping by and uh, being able to like get by, but never feeling like you're uh, uh, fully in control or in power. Uh, uh, that's a very interesting point. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I am a very insightful wow. person. Wow, what a smart person you are, Liz. <laughs> Thanks for feeding my ego. I'm already big enough as it is. So, Liz, what are your favorite games, uh, specifically horror games? What do you like to play? What scares the shit out of you? Uh, okay, so I'm gonna. I actually wrote down quite a big list here because um, I wanna. I wanna get. I wanna get some of your listeners and you guys. Uh, uh, kind of interested in some of the indie horror stuff that you wow, might not have heard. I'm excited, of. yes. Um, but well, I mean, my favorites are really like the Silent Hill series, yeah. like mm-hmm. the PS2 Silent Hill games. Um, uh, how two, how, three, how bummed out were you about like PT and everything that went down there? Uh, it's it's a bummer. I like wasn't as crazy about PT as a lot of other people, but I would have loved to see that game. Obviously. Yeah um it's yeah it's a real it's a real bummer kojima Uh, and pyramid head were going to be together (laughs) i uh, yeah i don't know like because i think the elements of some of the silent hill like silent hill 2 it's it's not really a jump scare type game like that happens but it's more um it's more like psychological. Yeah, it's like Lovecrafty and, you know, yeah. uh, uh, everything. And there's an evil that's set into the world and everything seems crazy. <laughs> and I don't perceive Kojima like handling that nuance in exactly the same way. <laughs> but because he's more of a like, you know, crazy shit, weird shit, you know, <laughs> kind of guy. But it would have been a it would have been a a, a, a really interesting. Yeah, game. So, I feel yeah, that's, like that's really I feel sad. like it wouldn't have been a good Resident Evil game. I'm mean, a Silent Hill game, but it would have been a fucking terrifying game. Yeah, it, it would. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, PT was. I don't know. I feel like in a way, PT might have been more successful than whatever they ended up making. Yeah, because it was really successful as a horror game. I mean, it did scare me, even as somebody who doesn't really like jump scares. Um, but uh, so let me get into some of the indie yeah. horror stuff. So one of my favorite games, just in general, is this game called Yume Nikki, which is uh, made by a mysterious Japanese person uh, oh. named Kikiyama. Um, and it's an, a game made in the program RPG Maker. Oh, cool! Um, and it's basically it's called it's uh, it's called Dream Diary. That's the that's what the the name means. And you're this like little, you're this girl, and you're just in this like empty apartment. And then all you can really do is go to sleep. And then you go to sleep. You go through your door, and there's like all these like you go into this crazy hell world basically. And like the whole game is you just wandering in your crazy dream hellscape and uh finding different things and there are different events that happen um and there's a lot of like lore it has a huge fan community and it's inspired like a lot of things because it's it's one of those things that it like it's creepy because you have to sort of read into it you're you kind of read into a story about the protagonist and there's a lot of like suggestions that she was like sexually abused and like a, a lot of stuff like that but it's very sort of in a you know in the imagery or something it never really tells you anything explicit there's like barely any text in the game at all so i really like that you mean you mean you mean nikki yeah you or why you 
Nikki. N I K K I. Yeah, I, I'm just. I pulled up the Wikipedia here, and it says that the uh, main character is Hikiko Mori, um, which already is a, a a a thing, something that I can relate to. Uh, so I'll <laughs> yeah. be playing this game. Well, yeah, many many gamers who listen to leftist podcasts, I'm sure, can relate to that. <laughs> we don't like going outside. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's uh, one sounds great. Um, and like that's inspired a lot of things. Uh, there's a. Uh, um, I don't know. There's a lot of there's there's a lot of Yume Nikki fan games. There's even like Undertale. I think takes some inspiration from it. Yeah, I was gonna say um, it kind of sounds Undertale-ish to me. Yeah, there's another game called Off that is like kind of a, a, a French RPG, the RPG maker game that's kind of inspired by it. So there's there's those games. Um, one of my favorite game designers is this guy named uh, his name is Stephen Lavelle, aka Incrapara, and he's this Irish game designer, and he mostly like his two commercial releases are puzzle games he made a game called steven's sausage roll (laughs) and you just roll sausages around (laughs) and it's actually really good puzzle game but it's also really hard but he's made a lot of like small games and one of them is called the terrible whiteness of appalachian knights and you're like this housewife it's it's first of all it's like represented through this sort of ASCII text and you're this house and the music is like really crazy and manic and you're this housewife who's just like like clearly like something is wrong and all you're doing is like wandering back and forth and like being really anxious and putting your kids to bed and it just gets more and more and like and your kids are like screaming at night and you have to wake them up and it's like what the fuck is going on and then at the end the game just goes crazy so that's one that i i recommend there's another game called judith which is like based on the story of bluebeard um uh which is like kind of a i don't i don't want to get into it but it's like um <laughs> It's it's kind of it's kind of the shining ish, I guess, but it's it's very like low res, lo fi, and it kinda of plays with I like a lot of horror stuff that plays with those sort of minimal like lo fi aesthetics right. because there is something kind of creepy inherently and alienating about a lot of that stuff. There's another game called Anatomy by this person named Kitty Horror Show. Um that is kind of similar. It plays with those like it plays with a lot of like glitch uh, aesthetics like the game sort of destroying itself and glitching out um so that's those are those games um also uh i haven't played this game but um i've heard that it's good it's really hard to find it's like a russian game called cryostasis um that's like a psychological horror game how do you, how do um, you find all of these indie games where do you go when you're <laughs> looking for like a, a cool new low budge horror game um, I've just, I've been around the sphere for like, I'm pretty like, I like, I mean, I basically, this is, I more or less do this as like a job. Like, right. And also, um, you know, I do judging for the independent games festival. I just like follow game stuff a lot and I try and like take down anything that I think is interesting that I think more people should know about. Um, so I try to keep like a mental note of that stuff. I just looked up the, uh, the, the what was it? The terrible whiteness of Appalachian nights. Um, yeah. And even the screenshots are like making me feel stressed out to be honest. Yeah. Just hearing yeah. you uh, uh, explain what it was and looking at the screenshots, I was like, fuck, this might be too much for me actually. Yeah. And that's even before like the stuff where you're like, it gets crazy. I'm like, just the like dealing with the kids and shit and that screenshot, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Did you ever yeah. happen to play an indie horror game called Lone Survivor by any I've, chance? I've I've heard of Lone Survivor. I've not played it. I liked it a lot. It, I feel like it was. I mean, it, it's 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 two D sixteen bit 
uh, like, you know, uh, side-scrolling kind of Metroidvania horror. And mm. uh, it's all done... It feels like an RPG Maker game. It doesn't feel particularly complex. You know, retro graphics. You gotta look for keys and food and, you know, mm-hmm. weapons and... Uh, oh, yeah, I remember lights. this game. I tried Lone Survivor. It's really, really yeah. fun... But, like, you never have enough to kill any of the bad guys chasing you around. You always have to, like, <laughs> pop them with a couple of shots and then run. And what's crazy is that it, it proves that you don't need great graphics to scare yeah, people. Yeah. Like, it's not... Well, yeah. I actually th- think sometimes that, like, you know, you were talking, Liz, about, you know, the aesthetic of, of these sort of old 3D games. And I, I will say again, I think that, like, there's something inherently creepy about these, like, yeah. DOS games and this sort of, like, old school look. Like... Feel, Absolutely, feels like the ring or something. I mean, I mean, Silent Hill exists uh, partly because of the technological limitations of the PS yeah. One, where they they had to add, pump in a lot of fog uh, to sort of you know obscure like pop up and and stuff like that, so they could do. So and it's true. I think with some of the the PS2 ones too, they can do a greater amount of detail on the textures and stuff than a lot of other games, and that's like kind of adds to the gory aesthetic. Like the textures in Silent Hill two and three in particular are super beautiful. Like yeah. really, really great art direction. But part of that is because it's obscured by so much fog and stuff. So they really they use technological limitations as a way to to kind of play with that. But uh, let me let me finish this list. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. You got. Uh, so, so Pathologic is a, is not exactly a horror game, but it's a really good game. It's also a Russian developer. You can find it on Steam. It's kind of like a Dostoevsky novel. It's really complex, but it's also pretty scary in its own way. Um, and then a, a one game that I played this year that I really liked, it's by a Taiwanese developer. It's called Detention. Um, and it's actually has like kind of a, an interesting cultural, uh, backstory, uh, about like the history of Taiwan and the, the school system and kind of censorship and, and repression, which oh, are cool. obviously, yeah, it's uh, definitely that game's recommended. It's also 2d. It's a little more detailed than like lone survivor. It's kind of like silent hill ish, um, in that there are a few jump scares, but it's mostly, it's mostly not that, um, there's another game that I like that no one's heard of called Silvio where you like, t- uh, I really like ghost TV shows, you know, <laughs> that, like ghost adventures and <laughs> where they like, like that. you know, they hunt ghosts. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah. Okay, ghost sure. hunting shows. And that's like what you do and you, you, you try and capture EVPs and you know, oh, like, so it's kind of like uh, Luigi's mansion. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. It's it's Which it's kind of like a Unity game. game. <laughs> I've never played Luigi's Mansion. Fatal Frame. It's okay. Fatal, no bullshit. Fatal yeah, Frame is so much better. Yeah, just fight with L by saying Luigi's Mansion is scary. <laughs> I, I found your trigger. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just to finish the list, um, there's like a couple adventure games that have been recommended to me. I haven't played, but uh, if people like that kind of stuff, there's a game called Fran Bow, which is like it's more a kind of like it's kind of like cutesy aesthetics but it's like about like a you know really disturbing this kid's really disturbing childhood and then there's another game called the cat lady which i really want to play it looks really cool uh which is also kind of has like 
a weird fucked up it's 2d but it has kind of a weird fucked up like silent hill type aesthetic to it but anyway so that that's my huge list of and those last of two games. are like adventure games like lucas uh, yeah style? okay awesome yeah that's, um, that's a lot of well that list uh, uh is extensive <laughs> that's uh, uh i'm excited to play uh some of those uh, i'll have to listen to this episode to keep up though because it went through pretty quickly uh, um uh but that's great that's very exciting uh, uh so after that uh gigantic list of all your favorite uh games that no one's ever heard of uh, uh which are so well, cool like si- no underground silent cool. hill i was gonna make fun of myself and be like my favorite's resident evil <laughs> like, uh, i mean resident evil is good yeah no anyway, I, I go ahead no uh, uh i was trying to think like I, I was just gonna make fun that mine are gonna be so so basic compared to yours uh, uh, state of decay Ugh. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I, look, what the the Resident Evil game? Like, actually, that Alien Isolation is the one I tried to play most recently that I like didn't want to finish actually because it was stressing me out too much. Oh uh, yeah, uh, it, it, which as I get older is becoming a bigger problem with these horror games. Like Silent Hills, those games came out when I was like fourteen and would like you know just like be on summer break and stay up all night getting frightened like now as an adult like games are a little bit more of like a respite for me and so there are times like when i sit down to play and i'm just like this is giving me fucking anxiety i have to stop (laughs) alien isolation is a fucking stressful game yeah it's also long i was surprised how long it was i I, a lot of people complained about the link but i actually like it like i i I feel like it, it tells a complete story because um, uh, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but the game starts out and you think you're playing an alien game. And then about towards the end, you realize you're actually playing aliens and you don't have any gods. Oh. So that's why it's, it's so long and I think so good. And what the really fucked up thing is if, you ha- if you're playing on PlayStation 4, maybe Xbox 2, but if you have the camera, you can turn on a setting to where if you make a sound in the room... The alien can hear you. And I turned this feature on and it's just, and I like got myself (laughs) killed accidentally. Even I did it to myself. I turned on the feature. I knew it was there. (laughs) I was so like shit, shit, shit saying stuff like that when the alien was coming around. I like, I got caught a couple of times because of it. Well, yeah, I, I think the thing that stressed me out most about that game is actually what you said earlier, Liz, which is that the AI of the alien was, like, too good. Like, not only was it stressing me out because it was scary, it was stressing me out because I was, like, dumber than the alien. <laughs> yeah, well, and you don't know how good it is. It's completely invisible to you what it's actually thinking, you know, how it actually right. works. Because you expect, like... You know, in a lot of games, like, the AI doesn't get past a certain point. Even in, like, modern games where they try and make the AI more intelligent, they're usually pretty dumb. Right, they just follow sort of basic cycles that you can kind of learn. Yeah. And then once you learn that, like, you're just a god. But because the alien is the primary enemy in the game, they put so much resources into making it, you know, complex. Yeah, that's a scary game. I mean, I also tried to play the Five Nights at Freddy's game, um... And while I didn't dislike it, I, I just... I got bored with those. Yeah, I don't they're, know. They're pretty much the same thing over and over again. You just, like, move around, and then there's a jump scare. Yeah. But it is you know, you of... don't even move around. You just, like, wa- you're in that one room just watching cameras. Well, yeah, you move, you move, you go the different cameras. But that is sort of, like, the inevitable result of, like, creepypasta and horror mm. games culture merging they, into, well, like, this yeah. sort of casual scare... It's YouTubers, too, that are making a lot of this stuff popular. 
Right, that's true. Well, which is another interesting thing, actually, which is like another good, another reason why there might be such crossover between horror uh, uh, movies and video games is that both sort of represent like what can be typically a communal experience. You know, like that's part of the reason mm-hmm. why horror games are getting so popular is because, you know, now as we're not sitting on couches together watching someone play a game, we're now watching it on Twitch and YouTube and everything like that. And horror sort of like lends itself naturally to uh, experience it with other people. You know, I, I don't really do Twitch that much or anything like that. But like when I played the new Resident Evil game, I had a friend who just wanted to like watch along as I played the entire thing. So I just let him like do the Steam home streaming from mine. Uh, uh, and, and it made me less stressed out to play the game. Uh, uh, and, you know, it made him possible to even do it because he's too scared to play any horror games. Um, <laughs> so um, what? Oh, my favorite horror games that... Uh, so I have to start off with Resident Evil 2. Um, that's probably mm. the game, pro- might be the game I've played through the most. It's just, uh, I'm sure everybody's playing it. If you haven't, you should give it a chance. And uh, we might have some younger listeners who haven't played through it, but it's definitely worth like emulating or play, uh, buying on the PS3 store or whatever. It's just this really, it's like, what if, you know, one of Romero's zombie movies was like a video game? And like yeah. you have to. G- and you know. With Resident Evil 1, it all took place in one enclosed area, the, the, the mansion. Yeah. But Resident Evil 2 opened up uh, the horrors of Raccoon City and the Umbrella Corporation. And you got to see the chaos happening as it unfolded rather than from like a remote area. And, and one thing that Resident Evil does uh, pretty consistently in all its games is like, you know, it tells you the story of the people who've become zombies that you have to blow their brains out. And that adds so much to the horror when you're like reading notes of a guy, you know, playing chess. And then right. and then he uh, crawls out of his bed and tries to eat you. Like, like, and you can like see their letters where like they're deteriorating mentally because they've been infected. Or um, the police chief in the game, you realize that he's actually a serial killer who tortures uh, women in his basement, and you have to, and that tells you to find the key to unlock the basement so you can, you know, get out and escape. Like, I feel like Resident uh, Resident Evil series in general, like they they really thought about like horror on every level and did the best that they could to heighten that horror um especially on the first uh several games like constantly i think in re4 it kind of went away from that but the first three or four games like it is uh i think they still hold up i would i still play them uh every so often to this day Tank controls not as bad as people no, say. No, they're that. not as and, bad. And you as know what? I actually think are. that tank controls. I mean, it's fine that they're gone now, but I, I actually think that they were like a kind of instrumental. They, they're kind of what made that survival horror genre. Like the fact that it was hard to move around sort of uh, uh, makes it scarier. Yeah, yeah, because you have to like that, and that's part of actually what made Resident Evil five and six the pieces of shit they were. Is once oh, they took hold the Resident up, Evil. Hold up. Hold up. <laughs> Hold up. Well, well, there. Did I, did I just attack you again? Yes, yes. I think six is generally well liked, right? No, no, no. Like no, people like five. People don't like six, but I don't think there's any actual reason for it. I think six probably has, like, the best, like, most coherent, you know, story since Resident Evil 2 or 3. But people hate it because it, like, it, it has a lot of action elements to it, but it... It was still scary. Like you, you go back to Raccoon City and like have to survive. Like I don't know. Oh, don't get me wrong. I love that, but I just when they introduced co-op, I don't think the co-op 
ever worked. Oh, that's a good. That's a good. Uh, like I enjoyed the co-op, but I think it does take away from the horror element. I think the same thing happened with Dead Space Three. Whenever you can play a game with someone else, it's not quite as scary as you know being alone in your room at midnight playing it. And that's and that's a great segue, by the way, because EA just shut down Visceral Games, which is the creator of the Dead Space trilogy, one of the most underrated AAA franchises in the genre. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's I, so funny because it started off because EA was ba- at that point EA was just ripping off other games, like they ripped off God of War to make um, what was that game? It was it was kind of shitty. Um, what the Dante's Inferno? Dante's Inferno one? Yeah, they, they ripped off uh, God yeah. of War to make Dante's Inferno, and so they ripped off Resident Evil uh, Four to make Dead Space, but it turned out to be really, really good. So good, and 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 what's crazy about Dead Space is the way that the trilogy almost parallels the the Alien trilogy. Like Dead Space Two is Aliens, Dead Space Three is Alien Three. <laughs> uh, it's remarkable. Like, the first one is scary as fuck, limited action, lots of sneaking around in the dark. Dead Space 2 ramps up the action, still manages to be scary, and then, I, I mean, they, they, Isaac Clarke started to talk in the second one, which I wasn't, like, a huge fan of, but otherwise, like, uh, uh, the upgrades to your suit, the subplot with the Church of Unitology, the, uh, the dismemberment in all three games was unlike anything I had seen in any action game since maybe what was it called soldier of fortune what was that game called where they you want to blow people's heads yeah. off yeah, yeah. soldier of fortune which where... is like a thing you can do in every game now yes. <laughs> that was like the feature no was... but the necro the necromorphs in dead space they had like multiple limbs you could not kill them unless you totally dismembered them so you'd have to shoot mm. off all their arms you have to shoot off all their legs and sometimes they'd have like seven arms and six <laughs> legs and you just you couldn't just shoot off their heads it wasn't enough yeah and uh no soldier of fortune Making dismemberment like a part of the gameplay was like a, a genius stroke by uh, right. uh, by Dead Space. I mean, and it, and it, are you guys as upset? Uh, uh, is everyone as upset uh, about Visceral shutting down as uh, the cartoon character Tycho yes. from uh, Penny yes, Arcade? I, 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 oh, oh I my 100% god! 100% endorse that cartoon. How dare you, sir? You are a coward. You are a coward. Now we're like uh. like. We're 14 years out from like when Control Alt Delete was doing com- comics like that. <laughs> well, well, welcome, welcome to the video game world where two regular guys who make some fucking fairly decent but not great. Web oh, it's comic. bad actually. Uh, I now host, my man. It's, it's yeah. bad. I thought it was good, then I read it, some of it back again. Uh, it's bad. <laughs> I'm giving it. I'm giving it way too much credit. But they literally run the largest video game convention in the world yeah. now. So yeah, well, and they're, and they're out there world. like yeah, and they're out there uh, uh, calling someone, calling like some executive a coward. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing, Visceral. I'm actually bummed out because the Amy Hedig Star Wars game was being developed there, so that's dead. Oh, look, I'm bummed out they too. They fired her from Uncharted Four. She can't catch a fucking break. Come on, be nice to Amy. She created Nathan Drake. I'm bummed out. I'm, I'm Soul bu- Reaver. I'm Holy bummed. shit. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Legacy of Kane. Oh, Soul Reaver might be coming, ba- coming back, actually. Uh, Crystal. I saw that. I saw that Crystal Dynamics tweet. Soul Reaver is dope. Yeah, actually. it's a great <laughs> horror. Just, yeah. Another great horror series that really. Yeah. Some of. Yeah, some of those team are like the there's this guy Richard Lemarchand who also worked on those games. He's he he quit um working with them and he teaches at USC now and he's one of the nicest human beings I have ever ever met. Like totally just almost comically nice in a good way. But yeah. 
uh, definitely some cool people worked on those games. Yeah, those games are really cool. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, uh, it is really funny. You're right that these guys run like the biggest video co- video game convention in the world, uh, uh, and yet are having their own little like Keith Olbermann moment uh, <laughs> about a Star Wars game. That's, I mean, that's their entire like that's their in ba- their their whole thing. Like their whole thing, their whole thing. Like the the thing that I find funny is like there are YouTubers out there who think of themselves as being like outsiders to the game industry yeah. who are like calling out game journalists or whatever to like you know two or three million views right. to game journalists who are like fucking you know barely making rent <laughs> and writing these like you know like like and and everyone thinks of these YouTubers who are like have these incredible number of views yeah. as the outsiders and it's the same with Penny Arcade it's like oh they're the outsiders the industry they literally are the industry now <laughs> yeah if they want to make another dead space they could probably finance it they could probably hire all those guys to uh finance another game totally well do, I, do we have anything else on the docket here uh, no but I, um we a lot of people i did uh oh we have to do our shilling i, I should say uh i forgot oh yeah of course, of course. so um well uh, when i made the tweet yesterday about you know favorite horror game somebody mentioned one of our listeners mentioned observer and like i had been kind of eyeing that game because it looked kind of interesting but i didn't really know what it was about um so i emailed the developer and they sent me a review copy uh i have to yeah nice yeah, it was very nice of them very uh, uh to support our um, small show um i actually think it's kind of fucked up that uh, uh you've ruined the the ethics and journalism of our <laughs> podcast here. oh my god i i wish i have so many stories about that. Oh my god. <laughs> full disclosure you know i was given this game for free but it's dope like um it's basically if blade runner were like a horror video game and it actually stars rutger hauer like he's like he's not yeah what? he's not in it like a little bit like he he voices oh really your character like every single oh line. my god like that's awesome yeah, it, I love Rutgers. Yeah, it's really his performance is really good. The game is really. I haven't played it that much, but it's it's dope. I would recommend you um, if you're interested in it, go ahead and check it out because it's a good game, really immersive. It's a, one of those horror games which is very popular now, where it's not action based. It's more like a mashup of like the old point and click adventure, like Snatcher. Um, not not like it's not like uh, I haven't played Snatcher, but it's probably a little bit similar. But it's, I'm, like I'm thinking Snatcher. more like um, Amnesia or you know, okay, um, out, uh, was Outlast or something like uh, Outlast. Yeah, I've heard good things about Outlast. Yeah. I, I haven't played. Yeah, so it's uh, so it's one of those types cult- of games, and like you're ba- and actually the story is kind of woke because basically humanity has been decimated by both disease and corporations, and there's one corporation that basically runs all of life now, and uh, it's called Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Amazon runs everything, and you're basically uh, you play a hitman for uh, them, more or less. You basically are a guy who goes around fucking with people and uh, digging into their, their minds for secrets. But your son has uh, mysteriously um, mysteriously disappeared and reemerged. So now you're kind of going against the grain a little bit, trying to uh, find them. Like it's a really uh, interesting. Print premise and really really fucking creepy like it really exposes like if you actually had to live in like the world of like blade runner like how terrifying w- it would be because it was it's nothing but like dirt and advertisements basically and like having wow. having that be your life would not be a good life yeah, yeah. i looking at screenshots and this looks really cool i'll have to check this out yeah i'll check it uh, let's all check it out uh, uh 
and uh, we hashtag spawns. Yeah, let's get uh, let's get Rucker Hauer on struggle session. Oh hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe the developers uh, can put us in touch to continue the uh, publicity <laughs> tour. Uh, I'm excited about it, too. It sounds really awesome, actually. Uh, uh, I try to make fun of Elle for being such a shill now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so, Liz, where can we find you online? What you working on? Tell us about all that kind of stuff. Plug away. Uh, okay. So uh, my Twitter is at E-L-L-A-G-U-R-O, uh, Ella Guro. If you know what Guro is, then, yeah, it's a reference to that. Um, <laughs> anyway... Um, uh, I uh, let's see. I have a podcast called Beyond the Filter. It's more like it's more about like art stuff. But I've also had I had uh, Kumar Salahi from Delete Your Account. Oh, he's on great. It. Oh, great. Um, yeah, yeah. And we talked about art and like you know act like leftist per, from a leftist perspective, and um, some other people. And yeah, and also a lot of video game stuff. Like I'm about to post an episode where I talk to somebody who I know who's like a really big uh, speed runner. Um, that's awesome. But, that is actually like watching speed runs are so stressful. And I actually think that that's like a more difficult and greater accomplishment than anything that's ever happened in sports. Oh, okay. But you can yeah. cheat. All right. You can use emulations and save states. Save states. So, <laughs> I'm sorry to. I, it's the debates about what rules are like allowed and what aren't are like have created so many like rifts in the speedrunning community. Apparently, but but anyway, that's like a whole nother thing. But you should check that out. You can find it on my Twitter, and cool. I also have an album that Leslie mentioned called LP Zero that's released. Like music is really my primary thing. I kind of do all this other stuff on the side, but um, but yeah, it's. I and definitely planning on doing more music in the future. Some of that stuff was done for video games, but a lot of it was just, you know, my own music. Um and I also made a game that I mentioned earlier, like it's several years old now, but uh since we're plugging things, uh called Problematic that is very strange. Um I won't say anything <laughs> else about it, but but yeah, you can go to my website or whatever. What's and, your website? It's just com. You can find it on my Twitter. Great. Um, cool. Cool. Actually, I want to... Do you have a NeoGAF username? <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Oh, dear. Actually, Liz, I wanted to back up because you um, eventually contacted me because you were basically talking to us about our how we wanted to you know, create more of a leftist space for gamers, and that's our goal. And, like, uh, Lana Del Raytheon is kind of doing the same thing, and you were contacting us because you were like, hey, you know... It's, it's a shame that you know these spaces kind of do exist, but they no one really talks about them. So, uh, so what yeah. kind of where if you're a leftist gamer, what should you be looking at? What website should you be going to? What podcast should uh, people be listening to if they like what we're doing and they want more? So there's not like a lot out. Th- I mean, there's a lot of people. I think there's a lot of people. Kind of the the culture is very what people think it is. Um, but, like, there's a few YouTubers who I like. There's this guy named, uh, you've probably heard of this guy, this guy named H Bomber. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Guy. Yeah. We like him. Um, Keep hearing that name. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and he does a lot of different kind of videos, not just about video games. Actually, some of his videos about video games are some of my least favorite videos of his, which is not saying that they're bad, but I, that I like some of his other videos a lot. Um, 
There's a YouTuber. I wouldn't. I, I'm going to call him leftist uh, because he has talked about those issues before. But he's not explicitly leftist. But I really like his name is Ross. It's the name of his YouTube is Ross's Game Dungeon. Um, and this guy talks about uh, kind of obscure like PC games or whatever. But I really like his his channel, and it's uh, that odd sort of pocket of like channel that's actually really popular, but also kind of different, you know, from the whole gamer sphere. Um, there's uh, there's so many podcasts. Like actually, like w- Waypoint, um, the the games website has been getting a lot better. They've been running a lot of good articles. Um, God, I'm my mind is blanking. Um, I'm on some Facebook group for like gamer commu- or gamer yeah, Marxists. Cool. <laughs> um, um, Seems where yeah, all the best stuff is happening is in DM groups and Facebook groups. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's decentralizing. It's like, where should we find out about the stuff that you like? Oh well, join my DM group. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of frustrating. Um, gosh, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting stuff in the indie space, but I totally get that it's really hard to follow what is actually going on in that space especially now it's like you know stuff has like splintered so much um yeah actually like uh when i when we went or i went to the i went down for this thing called indicade that's in la um and the game that won the grand prize um that i actually accepted the award for this guy because um because i know him he's a hikikomori Um, Yes, and he's well, yeah, kind of. But his game is is a uh, it's a, a dog opera about uh, universal basic. It's about wow. income and also a workers' rights. <laughs> and uh, this is the game that won the grand prize at wow. a games uh, festival. What's it called? So this stuff. It's called uh, Oikospiel Book One. It is a very strange game. <laughs> um, and there's also like Night in the Woods is another game that yeah, a that lot of people great. heard of that are. So and yeah, there's another game. There's a lot of there's quite a few games out there that one of the games that won at the independent games festival is called Cart Life, and it's about making a living uh, with the food cart and how hard that is. Anyway, there's like things out there. You just have to find them. Um, you kind of have to look for them. But anyway, so those are some those are some starting points, oh, cool. I guess. Cool. Thank you so so uh, much, Liz. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Liz. This is a this is a really no great problem. episode. Uh, uh, you know. Uh, uh, a lot more about video games than um, than I ever will. You made you made me feel uh, uh, you made me feel ashamed about a Did level I of knowledge. That, you? you you made me feel yeah ashamed about a level of knowledge that I used to be ashamed about. Does that make sense? Like it used to shame me that I knew too much about video games, and now I know that I've barely scratched the surface. Uh, uh, and yes, yeah. you've emasculated me. <laughs> Um, That's why we're hosts, Jack. We don't have to know everything. We just find the people who do. Yeah, I, I have a big problem with this podcast and just getting mad at people for being smarter than me. <laughs> uh, uh, but Liz, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, uh, this no is really problem. great uh, uh, talking to you, and uh, we'll, we should definitely have you back another time uh, uh, to, to talk about games uh, uh, again. Yeah. Totally. And I'll, uh, I'll well, thanks check, for having me. I'll on. check out all those games on that list, and uh, I guess we'll talk again in about a year and a half or so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, Thank thanks you. for talking with us. Appreciate it. No problem. Good time. All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night. All right. See y'all next all right. week. Bye. You always say night. Yes, I do. We're not even recording at night. I just assume. <laughs> I just assume. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Struggle Session. Uh, subscribe to us on Patreon. If you'd like to shoot us an email, hit us up at thestrugglesession at gmail.com. We are at strugglesession.us. If you'd like to check out our Tumblr, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, not me, but us in general, check out at Struggle Sesh, S-E-S-H. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or strugglesession.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.